Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. But to Jonah, all this seemed very bad, and he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, Lord, wasn't this exactly what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I previously fled to Tarshish, because I knew that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and you relent from sending disaster. So now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city. He made a shelter for himself there and sat in the shade under it, waiting to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a plant and made it grow up over Jonah to provide shade for his head to relieve him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day God provided a worm and it attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, so he said, It is better for me to die than to live. But but God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah said, I do have a right to be angry, angry enough to die. So the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. You did not work for it or make it grow. It grew up in one night and perished after one night. So should I not be concerned for Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left, and also many animals? This is the word of our God. So Jonah finally has his will bent to follow the will of God, but he does so unwillingly. And as Jonah preached that one day out of the three days that it would require to visit the entire city, and the city is converted, the city repents, the city and the people repent in dust and ashes, and Jonah goes out of the city and pouts. What a spoiled brat, you might say. If this weren't a prophet of God, you would say, wow, I, I want nothing to do with this guy. He, he just thinks so highly of himself. He's wounded in his, in his self-esteem. He's so proud and arrogant. He's angry. Um, he speaks to God. He says it four times in this chapter. I am so angry. I'm angry enough to die. Uh, verse 1. To Jonah, all this seemed very bad. He was very, became very angry. Uh, verse 3, So now, Lord, please take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Are you serious, Jonah? <laughs> I know it's maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but are you so angry that God has been merciful? Even look at what he says. He throws God's characteristics, his name, his attributes back in his face. I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and you relent from sending disaster. It's almost an exact echo of when God declared his name to Moses after the um, the event with the golden calf. And Moses says, Lord, let me just see your face. And God hides Moses in the cleft of the rock. And then he passes in front of him and proclaims his name, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious, merciful God. And Jonah throws those characteristics right back in God's face. I knew that you would relent from sending disaster, and I'm angry about it. Wow, this is a big deal. Um, God sends Jonah to Nineveh because Jonah needed to go, because Jonah needed a lesson in God's grace, and God wanted the Ninevites to repent, obviously. Um, 
and it, but it's almost like Jonah is still that, that older brother in the parable of the prodigal son when the prodigal son finally comes home and then the older brother is simply complaining that his dad never threw a party for him. There's that sullen um, familiarity, that sense of deserving of God's grace and mercy. But look how beautifully the love of God is revealed. The words that the that the prophet hurls at God as a reproach, as as an accusation, a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in love, the God who loves without limit and punishes when he only when he must, a God who relents from evil, and his prophet here is slow to anger. But God is slow to anger when he should be justly angry with his prophet. He will not let this servant of his die and and God comes to him twice with the question that he repeats twice. Verse four, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And God dials it down with that illustration of the plant that he's sitting under. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Like, let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty Jonah. If you're not going to be, um, if you're not going to be compassionate toward a city of people, and understanding that you have no right to be angry against them for their repentance. Then at the very least, be compassionate and understand that you have no right to be angry about a plant, a plant that grew up overnight, that died overnight, a plant that doesn't have a soul. (laughs) God says, is it right for you to be angry? God is calling him to repentance. And um, and the answer, of course, is, is no. But Jonah still stays with his with his stubbornness. But in light of his stubbornness, the glory and love of God is highlighted. Here's a city of 120,000 people who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left, and also many animals. And that that phrase about knowing the difference between the right hand and their left, I've heard of it um, interpreted two ways. First of all, that they don't, spiritually, they don't know up from down. Um, Spiritually, they're groping about to to try to find some understanding. So that would be, you know, a city of 120,000 people which isn't a small city, um, even even today. Or the other the other way of understanding that is that referring to um, like a young child, like a young child up to age what five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there, um, doesn't really know left from right. They just kind of go about their day. And maybe God is saying there's 120,000 children in this city, Jonah, besides um, parents and women and children and and all the animals as well, Jonah. Can you have some compassion for them? So what do we learn from the prophet Jonah? Aside from some of the unstated things, like maybe it's Jonah himself writing down this account and proposing this question for us. Should I not be concerned? Yes, of course, the Lord should be concerned. But what do we learn? Because God hasn't called you to go to Nineveh, nor I, um, but there is the possibility of of a an unspoken mindset that says, you know, I am more deserving of God's grace. That person is less deserving. Um, this is the church where all the church people go, and and we, we want to reach out to everybody, but that person's life is in a lot of disarray right now, and they kind of need a shower. Um, is it possible that 
somebody who walks through the door who maybe presents himself or herself in the wrong way, who is obviously or was a man at one point in his life, but is now presenting himself as a woman. If somebody walks through the door and brings his boyfriend or she brings her girlfriend or she brings her wife because that's the law of the land right now and their children, is it possible that we welcome them with open arms? Or is it possible that we shake our heads and, um, and try to paste on a smile that is obviously fake? Because we have this perception of what kind of people belong here. And yes, God loves all people, and all people need to know about Jesus. But come on, there's an understanding of, of how this is supposed to work. Is that possible? Because God hasn't called us to Nineveh, but he's placed us where we are. Whether, you know, I know we have listeners in, in Canada and Ottawa, Ontario. We have listeners in Racine, Kenosha area. We have listeners here in Toledo. I'm sure some in Minnesota. Who are the Ninevites in your life? Not even, not even people that you would be angry if they came to faith. That's a little extreme, Jonah. But who are the people that you would not expect and that you wouldn't know how to handle if they walked into your door. I had this conversation with our, our elders and our church council, I don't know, a few months back. Come to think of it, it must have been a little bit longer than that because it was during a time when we were still having face-to-face Bible class, so it must have been a year ago by now. And, um, and the question had been very similar to what I just posed. What would you do if person A, person B, person C walk through our doors and each person progressively more um, perhaps, you know, hopefully inflammatory to the congregation or to the discussion. For the purpose of drawing out the point, what is the, the hidden line that each of us has? And one man in his honesty finally spoke up and said, well, pastor, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't turn them away, but I wouldn't do a whole lot to encourage them because we need to set a good, good example for the children. And just to let that sit in the air for a minute, we need to set a good example for the children. And my answer was, well, if they walked in, <laughs> I could hand them a bulletin and show them where to sit. I would show them how to use our hymnal. Because, because our belief is that, first of all, every person needs Jesus. And second of all, God will bring about any change in a person's heart only through contact with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, working through the means of grace. And that's my concern. My concern is not that they, that they leave whatever lifestyle they happen to be in, because there are a lot, of, you know, a lot of straight people who are going to hell because they don't know Jesus. There are a lot of people who live outwardly good, moral, and upright lives who are going to hell because they don't know Jesus. And the example that we need to set for our children is, yes, you can talk with them when, when you get home and talk with them about what is right, what is not. It's a teachable moment for sure. But the example that our children need to see is that, yes, <laughs> Jesus is for all people, that we don't want to have a hidden Jonah line in our heart whether it's the Ninevites or whether it's somebody else who um, isn't the city of Nineveh. We don't want to have a hidden Jonah line in our heart that says God's grace goes up to this point, but no further. God's grace is for people on this side, but not on that side of the line. Because God says, should I not be concerned about those people? 
So as you go about your day, um, that hopefully gives you just a little bit to think about. Um, do we have a hidden Jonah line, a hidden line demarcating the Ninevites and the non-Ninevites? And what do we learn about God's grace in the book of Jonah? Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.